0: But.
1: Well, this guy came up to me and he, like I was having my lunch, and he looked at me, and in Japanese, he said, "Shouldn't you lose some weight?"
0: What the fuck?
1: And it's, he's he's this old man who has a huge belly, and I'm look and he's not married, by the way. And I'm looking at him, and it's like, "Who? Wait, who, who is he?" Uh, he was one of the the Tokyo team members. Oh, the
0: the, the big bosses. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He was one of. He the asked.
0: Old... You, he said, "Shouldn't you lose some weight?"
1: Yeah, he's a very informal guy. Not in
0: 4, informal. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain podcast in a different setting. Uh, decided to switch it up a little bit because I got tired of this. I might be adding an extra camera soon. Or who knows? I might just leave it super wide like this. It depends on how people want it.
1: Uh huh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a very special guest <laughs> who hasn't been on here in a very. Vi- oh, 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 shit.
1: Gross!
0: <laughs> you hate burping.
1: Excuse Let me you. Ask something. I think burping is burping, burping. I've, I've heard of that before <laughs> burping. He's a burp, burping i hate it i hate the sound of burp i don't know why it triggers me why and i think it's just so gross like it's just no etiquette and also you when you do it you, you do it super loud and you don't say excuse me
0: you don't allow me to you yell at me before i get to do it
1: No, I go, ew.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what you do. I
1: would like you to know that I don't like burping when people burp out loud. I think it's disgusting. It's it's such a turn off.
0: But it's satisfying.
1: Do it outside then when I'm not around. (laughs) Every
0: time I have to burp, I have to leave our house and go burp. Yes. These rules are unfair. (laughs) These rules are really unfair.
1: Or just burp out loud when you're outside alone. Or not, when I'm not around. (laughs) I'm
0: outside alone? What are you saying (laughs) right now? When I'm
1: not around, you could burp as loud as you can. But when you're with me, which is very minimal, just be mindful.
0: I don't burp all the time.
1: I didn't say you burp all the time. I know,
0: but I'm saying I do it very few and far between. But when I need to burp, I have to do it. And when you do it, that's. Okay, fine. Let's make other rules now, huh?
1: Okay, hold on, hold on. We're already bickering. Let's not (laughs) start. Let's not start on bickering, okay?
0: When you fart. (laughs) Let's
1: not start vickering. We're not
0: bickering. When you fart. Uh, May I ask this of you? So, fart etiquette. So, fart etiquette, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the internet can attest to this. When you <laughs> fart, when you guys fart inside a blanket, right? Uh-huh. What do we call that? We call that what? I don't know, a fart bomb? Okay, we, well, let's call it a fart bomb, okay? <sighs> In order for you to get rid of the fart, how do you do it? I don't know. See, what she does is she'll fart inside her blanket, <laughs> and she damn well knows it doesn't smell good. And she'll lift up the bottom and blow it towards me, and she'll say, I'm helping you. I'm blowing it away. No, you're blowing it towards me. So that if I could ask, if you're going to fart inside your blanket, number 1,
1: mm. warning. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, those I don't even know they're coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm doing that.
0: Number 2. Uh-huh. Blow it to you? <laughs> Not to me.
1: Okay, got it. Thank Coffee you for that.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Does that mean you're never going to burp in front of me Last out time, loud like that? I thought like my that?
0: face was going to melt off.
1: That's okay. It didn't melt and I will take care of that. Now, does that mean you're not going to burp in front of me?
0: I will do my best.
1: Okay, fine. I will do my best too. Thank you. Cheers to that.
0: Thank you for saving my nostrils.
1: You're very my welcome. God.
0: So a lot of people are curious and you know...
1: What are um, they curious about?
0: Well, number one, they know that you, you're, you're, you're quadrilingual, right? Um. So you speak... <laughs> mandarin um not as good as you used to no right because you don't practice no um japanese uh
1: uh-huh. in
0: a country like dialect kyoto dialect or whatever right kansai ben uh you speak korean
1: uh-huh. and you
0: speak english uh uh-huh. and you could read and write in all of them
1: uh-huh
0: right so what, what a lot of people don't know is that you've also actually worked in different types of uh companies like different type of uh, working environments which i don't think a lot of us get to right because when we Grew sure. up in the United States. Uh-huh. Uh, that's if you guys are from the United States. If you grew up in the United States or wherever you're from, you usually kind of work in the com- in a company that's, uh, cultural-wise, is based on the country that you grew up in, right? Sure. So it would be an American company or whatever, whatnot. Sure. You, on the other hand, have worked for a Japanese company, a Korean company, and you also worked... Uh, and did you work in Taiwan as well? I did. What did you do in Taiwan? Taiwan?
1: Well, Taiwan, I work at the university. I was in the international... Um, center because i was able to use all four languages and i was quite useful there <laughs> okay so yeah i have that and i did some tutoring uh on the side but not like an actual company i think uh the international center was culturally like taiwanese but then because they knew i'm a foreigner like there were a lot more understanding uh, but yeah and i worked here at a startup company startup japanese company uh and i oh that was very interesting i think it's just because i studied uh east asian languages and literatures like my goal was actually to travel and work and then when i came back here i think um i just had i were i was looking into more of the international companies i want to work so i could uh, practice my language and i started at this company (laughs) <laughs> Thinking that it would be a great opportunity, and I think it was. I learned a lot. This is uh,
0: uh, in what Japan.
1: This was here, and it's a startup business that came from Japan. It's uh, originally from Tokyo. It's a Japanese company that launches restaurant, and
0: Oh, so it's um it's basically uh what do you call it? It's a it's a food group. So they basically have a company, and they'll open up multiple restaurants. It's like what we have. We have we have our our group. Yeah. Which is. Uh, <laughs> J.K. Fripples and then, uh, what? and then Lotus Creatives. And so we, we're a food group and then uh-huh. we, we launched different food concepts. So no, w- yeah. You know, yeah, yeah,
1: basically. Uh, so they have all kinds of Japanese restaurants over there. It goes from like Izakaya to like, um, I don't know, cheap to high class, you know, types of restaurants. And they wanted to start something like that here. And I got to be part of it, uh, you know, I guess representing the U.S. side. Lord behold, I did not know the culture as well as I thought I did. <laughs>
0: ja- Japanese culture. So, Japanese. You had a, you a, so they brought their uh, Japanese uh, work culture to the United States and they didn't make an adjustment to American culture?
1: Correct. Basically, they brought uh, a team from Tokyo. That had the experience in that company, you know, either it could be a chef or ma- restaurant management, all different kinds of folks. They brought a team straight from Japan to here to basically copy and paste their work ethic and like their menu, basically. And their food over here. So yeah, So they're, they're yeah.
0: basically bringing um, what they did to Japan and they're trying to yeah. expand over into the States. Exactly. So what did you do?
1: i was oh well i was wearing a lot of different hats because it was a starter company so i was uh there was a first restaurant that was open so i was managing that restaurant Um, so i was a floor manager and and behind the scene i was also a recruitment um, a manager for employees uh and kind of like, I guess like a translator, like I was a between, uh, the middle person between the U.S. employees and the Japanese employees. So
0: would you you kind of were the, you were the American ambassador almost.
1: <laughs> I guess if yeah. you could say in a fancy way, I was, a, I was an American ambassador. But American ambassador who was a female who doesn't really actually have a voice. So this one thing that I realized is that I love Japanese culture. Social wise is a Freaking amazing country, right? Like I used to, uh, I studied abroad there, got to meet so many different people and I truly enjoyed the culture. Little did I know, if you go into business though, the work culture is absolutely different.
0: So you lived in Japan first, you came back here Mm -hmm. and then you worked for that Japanese company in the States. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, okay.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know, with the mindset of the experience I had living in Japan, I thought it would be similar. Little did I know... Uh, I think that might have been the first sexism that I've ever experienced.
0: Like a, a very sexist like work environment?
1: Yes. Um, so in their culture, men and women have different hierarchy. Um, I guess in the U.S., it's still there, but then we have acknowledged that that shouldn't be the case. Whereas uh, back then, which is about 10 years ago, uh, I'm not sure if that was the case. I don't know how it is right now, but back then, men are higher than women. Uh, so, uh, most of the people who came from Tokyo, actually 100% of them were men. And so, I have the American culture side of me. So, the way I talk to them in Japanese, by the way, which I'm very formal, they would call me out saying like, who do you think you are as a female talking to me?
0: Like, when do they say that?
1: Uh, we're just having a discussion.
0: Oh, like a, like a company discussion that you're a part of? Yes. why wouldn't they ask allow you to speak what the hell what's what's that about
1: that's their culture is that women women, aren't allowed to talk women are not allowed to discuss or have their thoughts or input on something that men i guess um are having just when they're having a discussion that piss you off no that didn't piss me off. i was shocked i was not okay now i was in my early 20s so i didn't have any of this kind of experience. I had a very uh I, I would say I was very green in this in, in this industry, right? Yeah. So when that happened, I was shocked. I don't think I was mad or anything. I was just shocked of like what's going on, what's the situation? I don't even, like I've never experienced this, so I didn't know how to react. Yeah. So I just stepped back and he was an older man. I was in my early twenties. He's like in his 40s, right? So in my Asian side of me, I'm thinking, oh, I did something disrespectful, I guess. And so I stepped back. I didn't, you know, talk back to him because I think if I was fully American, I might have done something. But because I had that Asian side, like that took over.
0: Yeah, and Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I
1: can't be disrespectful. But at the same time, I was like, what is going on? Even like vacation times, they were trying to schedule us so that it is Japanese, way of taking time off so for example if we have holidays i didn't know about this if we have holidays we take take those time off right for them we have to make it up
0: (laughs) oh wait
1: which doesn't make sense
0: it's not a vacation then it's more like oh you're you're taking time off but guess what you have to make up those hours yeah what the fuck how does that work
1: i think it's just the work culture you know they work a lot like koreans too they work many hours and then they have to wait until their supervisor leave in order for them to leave and you know working if you work minimum hours then you are you lose respect from your team yeah so something similar to like that japanese have that but in a very hardcore manner i remember my manager the sous chef would never leave they would be there all day even though they know that they could leave they wouldn't because I think that's just how their work culture is.
0: Well, I was reading about how in uh, Japan, and this is also like in like Korea too, where people won't clock out because they don't want to look like the lazy one. Exactly. They, they, they want to look like they're the hardest worker there. Yeah. So if the boss wouldn't leave... Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say the boss got drunk or something and he's going to sleep in his office. People would just sleep in the office, too. They would they would be scared oh, to leave.
1: Snap. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, Because they're like,
0: oh, sh-, like if the boss isn't leaving and if the boss isn't done with work, then I'm not going to leave.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember there was this. um, What do you call him? I think it was a dishwasher man that we just hired. He was a really great guy. He was fast. I mean, we need someone who needed fa- to need to be fast. He was fast. And we were so impressed by him. Our manager, he sees that fast as a basic thing. And he's like, faster, faster, faster. He's from Japan, too. Um, and then he knew only very like uh, limited Jap- uh, English words. So he would go up to him and be like, faster, faster. You can't tell a fast guy to be faster when he's already fast, right? Yeah. Or, you know, that will, if anything else, like, compliment him first. Well, like, yeah, acknowledge kind of like, that he's fast, like, but it's... Yeah we don't there's no compliment like i don't think i've ever heard them compliment anything if anything else it's always like okay that happened if it's good it's like okay that happened it's very asian though yeah it's like (laughs) all right what's next what can you do better yeah and so i remember that guy was like about to quit because he couldn't handle the pressure that he was getting he's like i'm a fast guy and if you're asking me to be faster I, i can't i don't know what to do like i already brought my game and you're telling me that it's not enough
0: so who is the person that was uh creating this uh toxic work culture that is the management
1: you know what they say it all trickles down right like that's what they say is that in every company the the culture the attitude everything it all trickles down from the top so if your boss is Um, a great person who really cares of all your employees especially like the one who's really supporting you on the bot at the bottom then everyone will react to that and follow that and uh, follow that leader yeah on the other hand if that person's very toxic which is a lot easier to follow and a lot easier to grasp they will copy and paste that to their employees or to their uh subordinates so he's he, wh-
0: whoever was doing that learned that from his higher ups and that's probably he how he was yeah. talked to so he's doing it back yeah and is this dishwasher from japan or is, or not dishwasher no. this person was from japan or he's from the states no, no, he's so from that's states. why like yeah. so he's he's used to like hey i'm a hard worker i i should be rewarded for this yeah you know positive reinforcement versus like asian cultures negative reinforcement <laughs> where th- if i tell him he's not doing A good enough job, he's gonna probably do a better job. But in his mind, he's like, "This is the best I can do." Like, who who can do this better than me? Yep. Yeah.
1: So that there was a lot of conflicts in that kind of sense is that I was receiving a lot of these kind of toxic uh, feedback that Mm -hmm. I had to pass it on to my employees, and. It was really hard because I was so young that I didn't even understand what this toxic that I was consuming and I had to pass it on. And I knew that if I pass this on, they're not going to be happy. I knew the result because my employees were Americans. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I translate this Japanese culture, what they're telling me into this American way where they would understand what's happening? And I was too young and inexperienced to know how to do that. Yeah. I I mean, I did it some took a well some didn't take a well you know i had an employee who cried and i really didn't know what to do i'm like everyone and to be honest i was a very young manager back then um a lot of my employees were older than me yeah. i was i was just too young to understand what was happening and i think you know and unfortunately that led me to uh uh pick or choose very unhealthy um what do you call it?
0: Lifestyle choices. Lifestyle
1: choices. Yeah. So I would drink a lot, and that didn't help a lot either. Um, I yeah, I drinks. I was probably after that experience at that company, uh, my health was probably at the worst. Because uh, my what happened is that I started gaining a lot of weight, and I found out that my kidney was swollen because my liver wasn't doing well, and it was due to uh, too much stress and alcohol. Mm. So that said, it wasn't the most pleasant uh, work experience because after that, I actually did go to Taiwan, take some break. Um, I I don't know why I did that, actually, because I never been to Taiwan. I didn't know anyone in Taiwan, but I just needed a break from this like toxic cycle that I didn't know how to get out of. Um, How come
0: you just couldn't quit?
1: I thought to myself, if I quit, then I'm failing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I think a lot of people feel like that. Like yeah. you feel like
1: I wanted to like you're you're it.
0: like you're better than this. That yeah. you can that you can make this better, but yeah. it's it's hard sometimes, especially like in a work situation where you don't have control, right? Yeah. Like for example, um, you know, like our 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 friend Ed, you know Ed. Ed went back home And he did a really good thing mm-hmm. And you guys know Ed From this podcast If you guys haven't listened To his uh, episodes that he was on This is uh, Ed Park The one from Seattle he'll, he'll be back on here But Ed Park uh, He talked about on the podcast Where he He left You know I met Ed In Los Angeles right Actually I met him in Seattle Then he moved to Los Angeles And then mm. you know We worked together, did everything else. But when he went back to Seattle, Mm -hmm. he was in a very weird place in his life. Mm. And also his family situation was weird. And he decided to go to Seattle Mm -hmm. to help his uh, mom out, Mm. you know, because she was running uh, the the gas station, you know, family mart thing uh, by herself. And, And he the the hard part for him is that he wanted to create positive change into what his mom was doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like Asian parents, they're very stuck in their ways. Yeah. They they want to run things the way that they have been doing, even though if, if it's not efficient. Well, yeah, you know, the hard thing for Ed was I think Ed had this idea that he wanted to go back and then help his mom out and make things more efficient mm-hmm. if his mom allowed it to. Mm-hmm. Because also, too, he's going for him. I think going back home may, made him feel like he gave up,
1: mm.
0: you know, that he gave up this dream that he had to come to Los Angeles, be a video producer, be a director, do all this other stuff. Yeah. And for him to go back home was like, hey, I fucking failed. Yeah. And that was hard for him to deal with. And so the, the one thing that he thought he could do is at least, you know, he's doing the right thing to help out his mom yeah. to go back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when he wanted to implement positive change, you know, kind of make the store more up to date and, and do these great things, he wasn't even learning how to do carpentry to build stuff in the store. His mom said, no, so he was—he yeah. was like, "I'm not. I don't want this to happen. Like, I, I want to do it the way that I've been doing it, even though she brought him over for him to quote unquote take over the store." Yeah. But for him, it was like, "Holy shit! I, I left to help out my mom, but all I did was go back and and now I'm working for my mom yeah. instead of taking this position where I can make change. And I feel like that's the part that makes you feel defeated. Where yeah. it's like, I know what I can do. I know that I'm here for this reason. Yeah. But these people won't allow it. So what am I here for?
1: Yeah, actually, at one point when it was so hard for me, because my hours were insane, like I would be home like four or five in the morning because it was, uh, you know, I would talk to clients and whatnot, like at night. Anyway, I come home and I think to myself, like, wow, did I go to school and everything and study really hard, graduate, you know, at a good school, you know, all that for this, this kind of respect, because... I felt like I wasn't getting any respect. Um, Oh, for sure
0: you weren't. They were asking you why you would even speak to them. Like, what the fuck is that about? uh,
1: There's this one guy that I was so pissed. Is that you know, generally, generally, Asian women are very not not even Asian, like just women in general. They're very sensitive about their image, right? Especially their body image. This guy. this.
0: I think guys too. I just, they they just, you know, they've been yeah. taught that they can't be. But yeah, they, but yeah. Guys, i yeah. From what I've seen anyways, I think guys are just as sensitive as women. <laughs> they just pretend like they aren't, you know, but.
1: Well, this guy came up to me and he, like, I was having my lunch and he looked at me and in Japanese he said, shouldn't you lose some weight?
0: What the fuck?
1: And he's he's this old man who has a huge belly and I'm look and he's not married, by the way. And I'm looking at him and it's like, who? Wait, who, who is he? Uh, he was one of the, the Tokyo team members. Oh, the,
0: the the big bosses. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He was one of he the... Old... Asked
0: you, he said, shouldn't you lose some weight?
1: Yeah, he's a very informal guy. Not informal, just like... Well, very, what the fuck yeah. did
0: he expect your reaction to be? Oh, yes, I probably should. Like, what the fuck?
1: I don't know. Like, I just laughed it off, I think. But then it stuck with me so hard. It stuck with me so hard because... And also, like, later on, I figure out what kind of girls that he liked. And it just... Ugh, it was very... Ugh, gross. Yeah. Um, but that said, that's kind of the things that I would hear when I'm Jesus. at work and I come home and I'm like, wow, is this really what the real world is? Like, that's what I thought. It's like, is this... Is This, this is how
0: the workplace is yeah, for everybody. Yeah,
1: is this what I deserve? Is this all I'm going to have? Is this my life now? And I was just so depressed. And quitting felt like, yeah, like I had nothing else really coming up. Like there Was, was that no-
0: your last straw when that guy said that? Or what was the last straw that made you quit?
1: My last straw was that I realized that I was, I was not being, uh, when I, oh, this is hard to say, Um, not caring if I could survive or not when I'm going back home, if that makes sense. What do you mean? On my way back home, driving, I, you know, it's, late at night it's really late at night so i could be really tired whatever Exhausted, yeah. i didn't care if i could make it back home so if i got into an accident i didn't care
0: oh so it really like kind of sucked your, it your purpose really, for living yeah
1: there were times when i had to pull over somewhere and take a nap and i remember like i don't know how this happened but i pulled over to a neighbor uh near home but not exactly at home because i couldn't make it and this young white lady was knocking on my door and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> she, I think she thought I like, I guess I you looked like I passed got- out. Yeah. And the windows were closed and, uh, and so she got freaked out. She's like, are you okay? And that freaked me i was like yeah i'm okay i just i just needed to take a nap oh my god i'll go home Yeah. um but that said like i really didn't care if i could make it home or not because at home i used to live with my parents back then my parents like seeing how miserable i was they're just like why don't you just quit and to my parents like i understand they wanted. they're saying that because i don't look happy right but i felt like they were just saying take the easier choice hmm and the more they were saying that the more i didn't want to
0: did you feel like so are you saying that you almost felt i don't want, i don't want to say like suicidal but you just kind of like
1: i was like what's the point of living
0: yeah like what's, yeah like like you felt like there was it was like a cyclical thing like there was no end to this like you you yeah. know if you left you felt like you were a failure um
1: and there was no and, other thing. And the other
0: choice is I have to go to work and I have to deal with this. Yeah. And there's no solution to it.
1: Yeah. And I was just thinking like, is there anything else I could look forward to at this company? And you know, the boss gave me, he gave me his words that I was going to do some, you know, something higher. Uh, turns out he was lying to me. So like everything was just like crumbling. It's like, okay, the boss didn't keep his word. I'm not liking what I'm hearing at work, you know. I love my employees, but, you know, i that's.
0: They can't help you. Yeah, they
1: couldn't They're help me. They're looking to
0: you for guidance, you know.
1: Exactly. And so in the midst of this, I told myself, like, I need to quit. No joke. I get a call from a company where Uh, like I went to this job fair a long time ago and I guess they kept my resume. Got a call from this company, a Korean company, saying that, hey, we're looking for someone who could be in our event department and we think you would be a good fit. It turns out, uh, I had the interview. I really, I think I I felt good about these supervisors that I was going to potentially work with. And I asked them, so when do you need, and they wanted me, and they asked, I asked them, when do you need me by, and they said, in two days. Oh, wow. Uh. And so I asked myself, am I gonna quit here, not giving them two weeks, or am I gonna lose that offer and not have any other options? Yeah. I told myself, I'm, I'm gonna quit. Yeah. I was hella scared Yeah. to tell them that I'm gonna have to quit in two days. Funny enough, my boss seemed to have noticed. Somehow he kind of knew that I was going to quit.
0: Yeah.
1: Out of nowhere. He was so nice to me and giving me the most compliments that I, I probably could have had. It was when, like,
0: did you lose weight? You, didn't,
1: you, didn't, you don't have to like, lose weight. You know, you are such a great assay here. And like, I really do appreciate everything you do here, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, I guess that is my call is that you will only do this when you think there is some trouble but other than that you're not gonna even because yeah, like,
0: he's scared you're gonna leave yeah you know he has somebody that he could talk to however the fuck yeah. he wants you know say do his bullshit,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you're gonna still come in and give your 100 at work yeah
1: oh and on top of that he had i don't know if he asked for it but he had his little bitch where he, <laughs> 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 she would, Tight. uh <laughs> literally stalk me on my social media which was what facebook back then right yeah somehow i'm not even friends with her on facebook by the way somehow find things about me what i did throughout my break days uh, my vacation days and inform that to my boss and it pissed the shit out of me and just like it's such a toxic environment that
0: fucking bitch
1: yeah i was like i'm quitting and then you know
0: that's a hard thing about workplaces too man like i I think what you know if you're if you're a younger listener out there and you haven't gotten to the career space yet one of the things that you're going to have to learn how to do is also how to navigate with the people navigate your workspace with the people that you work with yeah that's the part of a job experience that people don't really tell you about they don't tell you about the social aspect of working because Mm -hmm. when you leave high school or you leave college you think that you're done with it you're not guess what? Every kind of circle that you're in, you have to know how to navigate socially, which is why I always talk about, you know, social acuity, being smart and like these, Mm -hmm. being socially intelligent, because you're going to have to learn how to deal with these people for the rest of your life. Unless you live in a cabin by yourself and you somehow manage to, you know, do all (laughs) online work, which most people are doing now, Uh then you're not going to have to deal with people, right? But there's a a weird part where we are social people. We do want to be around people, but we also can't always we're not always in these opportune situations where we get to pick and choose at all times who we get to be around
1: yeah and you know i do love being in an environment where you could be genuine and be real Mm -hmm. but there are times and actually many times where you really need to put a different face And figure out how to get along in this social place if you know that this is gonna be something that's gonna be happening for a long time. And I couldn't handle that anymore here. It was just like, it was not the culture that I thought it would be. It's not the environment that I wanted to be part of because I was in such a bad place. And so when I did quit and go to that Korean company, oh, Lord behold, behold, I was like, why did I choose a Korean company where it's probably the same thing? Yeah. But... I didn't want to be jobless. So that's why I took the so offer. So this is
0: after you, so you went to Taiwan, you came back?
1: No, this is before Taiwan.
0: Oh, you didn't go to Taiwan yet? Not yet. To, okay. No,
1: after quitting at that Japanese company, I went to a Korean company. Um, but one thing that was great was that this was a government agency. So it had uh, more secure, I would say, and of, of who they're hiring. And so... I remember the first week, uh, actually the first day when I got there and they were introducing me to the team. During lunchtime, uh, the team came over and they're like, hey, you want to go have lunch together? Mm-hmm. I literally almost cried.
0: Oh, wow. that
1: <laughs> you you want to have lunch? lunch? Wait, you remember me? Like you care about me? No joke. I'm not even exaggerating. Those were the thoughts that were in my head. I was expecting myself to be like a bitch when I got there because I didn't want it to be You don't bullied. want to be a pushover. Again. Yeah. yeah. So I was giving a very like stern look. I mean, I was being polite, but a very stern, you know. Um, and then when we had to do overtime, they gave me their freaking business card so that I could have my dinner. And again, I almost teared up at that moment. That's so,
0: they're like, what, what, what do we do? They what were
1: if- the nicest people that i probably ever met that year <laughs> yeah like i love them so much that my supervisor my immediate supervisor her name is joyce Choi, super nice i mean of and- course
0: her name is joyce Choi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean they were so nice they were so nice of course like you know they had their work same similar work culture where like you know if our president or supervisors there like everyone's very like super professional like always ready like respond politely there is similar work ethic in that kind of sense but nobody was giving me bad comments making me feel bad making me feel like i have to drink to like numb my emotion yeah and so i was really grateful that that opportunity came around and that i was able to have the opportunity before I went to Taiwan. So that yeah. one was project based. So after a certain amount of months, um, the contract ended. And then I figured that after that, I just needed a little break of like getting myself together. And that's.
0: See, that's the interesting thing about you that I found fascinating. Like, I'm, I would be scared to go to another country where I can't speak the language. Like, that's scary to me. And and try to live mm. there and function. That frightens me. Mm. Just because number one, I, I have you know, you know, I have anxiety issues. Could mm-hmm. you imagine me not knowing a language and trying to navigate? I would stay in my apartment until I started that.
1: I think you would be so frustrated, you'd be like, Grr.
0: Yeah, I'll get angry and I'll just stay in my apartment and just wait till I wither away. I <laughs> Like, I wouldn't even go outside. I'm like, I can't do this. No, yeah. I think
1: you will hire someone. You will find someone who could yeah. speak and then hire them, and pay that person. Yeah. I am someone, you know, I'm like someone who likes to experience it, like hands-on experience, you know? And I must, I was a social butterfly back then. So I like to meet people. And I think I had a very friendly envir- uh, energy that people, like, I didn't, have pro- I, hadn't, I didn't have any issue making friends. Yeah. Also, I think that was another thing. It's like, I just needed to go somewhere where people don't know me because I wanted to be alone. Mm. I think I just couldn't handle like, you know, when you're living with your family, like you get all these like opinions and feedback and it's like, you can't have like your own space. So I told myself, I just need to be alone and solidify myself and like hear what my brain is telling me rather than what other people are telling me. Yeah. And I think I just needed that moment to like find me time. And I initially I wanted to go to China but um, you know, a lot of my friends and everyone advised me to go to Taiwan, if, especially if I'm gonna go by myself. And I think I made a really good choice. Taiwan was no joke, I think Taiwan is like a healing country because they believe in karma so hard that they're willing to help people at any time. Really, I had a grandma. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I don't know Chinese back then. Okay, I did learn in Japan uh, in college, but it was a total. Different Chinese. It was like mainland Mandarin. Yeah, Yeah. it was mainland Mandarin. And also, it didn't stay in my head that long. I learned it only for like a year. So when I was in Taiwan, I was trying to get a phone. And this grandma who just like was passing by realized that I'm a foreigner and I don't know what to do. She had a scooter and she's telling me to (laughs) hop in, hop onto her scooter so she could take me to a cell phone store. Now, let me tell you. I didn't do my research before I went to Taiwan. I thought she was gonna kidnap me. (laughs) This
0: grandma's gonna kidnap you. What is she gonna do? You don't
1: know. I'm like, I'm thinking of the horror stories that I've heard in China, okay? So I didn't know that Taiwan was so safe that if you leave your phone on the ground, someone will make sure that you will get that phone. Like Like it will be delivered to your place. That's like Japan. It's like Japan, yeah. Uh, So that's how so nice everyone is. They're willing to like help each other out. It's like a huge family that I love so much. And I think, talk about timing. And like, you know, I think God has plans for everything. That's where I truly believe it because Taiwan came to my life at the most perfect time that I could have asked for. Yeah. Um, And I did get healed. I did realize that when I was in Taiwan and I was working at that university that I was traumatized by that Japanese company because when Japanese students came up, I could not speak Japanese. I would start stuttering, sweating, and not able to look at their eyes. Because of the experience that you had at that Japanese company? Yeah, because I was traumatizing, thinking that, yeah, just, I knew that they're not the same people. And yet, for some reason... I think it was the language that triggered me because i love japanese language like i've loved it since middle school and i think it was just heartbreaking for me to know that my first work experience at a japanese company had to be like that Mm -hmm. i think it was just very heartbreaking i did work because prior to that i did work at companies but that was my first japanese companies and it was just um Almost like I had a fantasy and then I realized, hey, welcome to the real world. That's not how it is. And I was just traumatized. Um, But, you know, later on, like I learned that not all companies are like that. And I just happened to, you know, encounter something like that to, I don't know. I don't know. Made me, made a reason for me to go to Taiwan, I guess. That's
0: crazy. Like I, I don't, you know, the funny thing is like with Mariel, when we first started going out, Marilyn had this habit of when when things got very stressful because I think for her mm. uh, she healed a lot from traveling and going to new places and experiencing things. Mm-hmm. But I told her early on uh, when we were dating, um, I don't know what she was you know stressed out about work or something, but she needed some uh, like a new new a scenery mm. because she's so used to traveling and you know starting a new and starting fresh and this allows her to reset. Well, when you're in a serious relationship, you know there's two people here, you know, and I I wasn't. It wasn't a selfish move on her part but for me it felt at that time that I w- i'm a very straightforward person and you know she didn't know me that well i didn't know her that well we were only together for a few months and she was going she was like well i have this job offer uh, potentially out in italy and i was like cool well it was good while it lasted <laughs> <laughs> you know and i think for her she's like well what do you mean like why would we just end it and i'm like because i don't know you like i don't know you enough to to say that hey i'm gonna wait for you for a year here and then, and then uh, be confident that I'm not going to waste a year of my life waiting for you. And for me, that was uh, something where I told her, like, you, leaving is fine when it's just you, but now I'm here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the hard part, you know, maybe for you and for me was that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to explain to her, look, I'm don't want to leave you like i care about you i chased after her for three fucking months for crying out loud like and then we finally got together i'm not trying to leave but i do know because when i was 18 i had a long term a long distance relationship yeah and i know what that feels like and i know that in my stage in my life and she met me at the time where i didn't want to be in a serious relationship she just came along where i thought it was something that i felt like i couldn't it was an opportunity i couldn't just give up so uh-huh. I knew that if she left, that she and I would still break up either way, uh-huh. because I didn't know her, I didn't uh-huh. trust her enough. Because and you, there's no, absolutely no way I would. I didn't know you at the time.
1: Yeah, I, that was definitely my outlet. Is that I would hop to a different country for a bit, I, because I've, I think, I've always told myself that I wanted to travel and work, um, but. Yeah. Once, once, you know, I was, I also tell myself that I plan a lot of things, but plans never work out.
0: <laughs> the, the funny thing is too, like, I, at the time, like, I don't think she understood why I was saying what I was saying.
1: No.
0: You know, because later on, I remember uh, she had another job opportunity that came up and she was talking about she was she, uh, out in the Bay Area yeah. and we were together at two years at this point. Yeah. And so she was like, well, I would take this job, but you would break up with me. I was like, who said that? And she goes, you said that when we first went out. I was like, yeah, because we were together for like two months. I'm like, it's been two years now. Like, I yeah. know who you are. You know who I am. Yeah. If you need to work to better yourself or get a better job, make more money, and you're, you know, uh, a flight away from me, be my guest. Yeah. Like, I'm confident in us. <laughs> you know? And then you're like,
1: well, what do you mean? You said I couldn't go there. You changed this. your mind now. It's
0: like, I didn't change my mind. I'm, I'm confident in our relationship. You know, I, I'm confident that if you left for a year, I still love you. I still want to be more with- than a year. Two years, whatever, that's fine. Five. Five is a little long. <laughs> Especially at our age now, five years is way too long. Two years, I'd be okay with it.
1: I know. I, that's another thing. It's like, oh, I never never thought this time would come where I have to think about my age and traveling. Like age, consider traveling, my age and you know, traveling.
0: You might have kids soon. Like there's so many different things.
1: Stupid COVID. I have three places that we wanted to go, but...
0: So this is the thing that uh, we never... I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast. Uh, you know, COVID affected a lot of us in in different ways. You know, uh, obviously for people in the workspace, it was difficult because you're not socializing anymore and people who are extroverts, oh. definitely mentally you suffered a lot. You're at home. You're not being able to leave. Yeah. This fucked up a lot of people. What, what fucked up our plans in a lot of ways was number one, getting married. Number two... Uh, our travel plans and the reason why our travel plans are important and I never mentioned this before was COVID messed up our plans because I'm not saying that when you have a kid your whole life ends but it's just a new chapter but before that there are things that we can do when we don't have a kid you know for example going to Vietnam for three weeks and experiencing this very very Grimy uh, You know Rural so Rural type of travel. Not, about not, that. not like Vietnam's grimy Or anything There are certain parts of Every country has it But I'm saying grimy In the sense of You know We're not at a four star hotel We're staying yeah. at like Friends uh, Families Places Like this is what We were going to Basically
1: do. having a local friend For three weeks
0: Yeah It's like our hurrah Before we you know Decide to dedicate our life To a child And you know and uh,
1: we're, Yeah And we're supposed to go to Korea To meet the family yeah. Relatives there Get our Hanbok Which is Korean. And traditional, you know, outfit yeah, that we were so gonna much custom- cheaper out there <laughs> yeah. and a lot prettier. Yeah, uh, and then we're gonna go to Japan because we never actually went by ourselves.
0: Yeah, so All you gone. know, our our plans got delayed another year. And you know, the the hard part about that is too is like we have to think about our age and having kids. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm
1: yeah especially the woman's side and for
0: us too and sucks. you know like for me i'm not in a rush to have kids but at the same time you know
1: biologically
0: biologically it's different and then <laughs> and number two like we're gonna get that we're gonna do our trips before we have this kid heck so, yeah so it's gonna happen next year we're gonna i don't know when they're gonna have this vaccine or when this traveling thing is gonna be lifted but um yeah next year it's gonna happen so we'll, we'll figure something out
1: yeah i have a good amount of friends who actually went back to taiwan right now so that they could get their two weeks uh, quarantine and then have their Christmas celebrated over but there. But they
0: have their citizenship though, right? You can only go if you're a citizen.
1: Uh, good question. I don't know. Because that's what it was. They are citizens, yeah. Yeah,
0: see, that's why. Because like, th- Taiwan is only letting citizens come oh, back. Oh, really? Yeah. You know? So if you're not a citizen, you can't go to Taiwan <sighs> well, to visit. Well, you know
1: what? Good for them because I want that country not to be tainted. Well, I love it so much.
0: Well, it's hard because number one, they're an island. So, you know, mm-hmm. so things are limited out there. But, yeah. you know, this whole COVID situation has made it hard for a lot of people. You know, all these small businesses closing. And now we're in the purple again or something. And then we're thinking about a third lockdown. Like, fuck, man. You know. Yeah. It's hard. But my brother says, too, because he's a nurse, that um, eventually, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to avoid us getting COVID at all. He goes, that's impossible. COVID is now like the flu or the cold. Yeah. Everybody's going to get it.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a season. It's se- impossible not to get it's it. It's going to
0: be a seasonal virus. And we're going to have to learn how to live with it. We're just trying to make sure that mm-hmm. people who do survive, they get immunity from it. And then uh, you'll be sick, but you'll be able to survive from it.
1: I'm just really grateful that <laughs> my career hopped from hospitality to animation and entertainment because, God, boy, am I so grateful that I have a job right now. That is blooming.
0: Yeah, yeah, th- anybody who has a job is very grateful. Yeah, you know, at this point, but we're 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 all just trying to make ends meet at the end of the day, and it's always weird for me, like when I, like I was talking to you know I met my my college buddy today,
1: uh-huh. and then
0: you know I think well now that we're all getting a little older we're having these conversations about um, what's important to us now as adults versus when we were younger. Yeah. So and it's funny because I'll tell these stories about the stuff that happened in college, and you know. My, my buddy, Tony, he's like, I'm telling him, like, yo, these kids don't believe these stories. Like, they're real. He goes, like, he goes, he goes, yeah, I mean, I was there. Like, I, I know these damn stories. because mm-hmm. he And he understands, too, because he knew me as a really nice guy, mm-hmm. you know, but he just said Which that. Which college? Uh, UC Riverside. So, uh, I went to Riverside with him. So, uh, Tony lives, like, right around the corner from us now. And so... Um, yeah just seeing him was so dope because he was one of the people that in college that I really really liked Mm. specifically because we kind of grew up similar like Mm. we're both kind of like geeky Asian dudes but we grew up in a not so great area Mm -hmm. so we had a little bit of street smarts to us Mm -hmm. so how we valued and viewed money Mm -hmm. and people and relationships were really different from a lot of the people that we were were meeting in college Mm. and so when I met Tony Mm. Tony was like oh you make me feel sane Mm. like like I'm a normal person Mm. because everybody else here felt like an alien to me they Mm. felt foreign how they value friendships Mm. how they spoke to each other what they cared about the stuff that they wanted to do wasn't something some stuff that i didn't care about Mm. meeting people who were trying to create fake identities in college because nobody knew who they were Mm. so there would be these guys who are just as big dweebs (laughs) as i was right but dweeby in the sense of like socially awkward you know probably didn't have much friends in high school which i did feel bad for but this but there would be people who make fake identities like they were like oh yeah i used to be in a gang you know i'm like no, you didn't. Shut <laughs> up. You, you know, you know, like shut the fuck up. You know I'm gonna
1: go to that extent, then you gotta keep lying. Uh... Well,
0: that's the thing. Here's the thing about people who lie, right? Something my dad told me. He goes, when you lie about something that you tell other people, you have to keep up that story for the rest of your life. Yeah. most people can't do it. Yeah. They can't.
1: I could barely keep up with my real life.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You know, the people can't keep up with those same lies. I mean, obviously when you tell stories like, you know, small things change here and there, either you're embellishing a story, you forget small details, or other times you tell a story, you tell more details. Yeah. You know, but, you know, with somebody like, I I told the story on the podcast, there's this dude named Andy. He came up. I still remember what he was wearing the day that I met him. Gold chain um he had like you know like, the gold chain isn't really thuggish but he had like a gold you know chain sure. uh he was a andy chen his name was andy chen wow i just remembered his last name i couldn't remember for the rest of, for the uh, life of me black wife beater wife beater back in the day is what we used to call tank tops excuse me it's a little politically incorrect um oh they changed it yeah well the, you know wife beater not really. i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense and then um baggy blue jeans Right, and uh-huh. his like white sneakers Anchor. Co- comes up. I guarantee you, it was probably anchor jeans. <laughs> I guarantee. You, I forgot about the anchor.
1: Huge section. Yeah, it
0: was like the big baggy jeans. I he had comes a few of up those. and he starts walking up, like scrunching his face, like "Hey, what's up?" Like he had a lisp too. <laughs> what's Cute. up? And I'm like who the fuck is this dweeb, dude? Like get the fuck out of my face, you know? And I'm like, I already don't like this kid, right? Mm -hmm. And me and Tony were talking about that guy today. And he goes, now, he goes, when I look back at it now, he goes, I understand those kids now because I know what area he's from. He's from like a a nice rich area. His parents are super rich. He's a parachute kid, Mm -hmm. you know? So he doesn't know his identity. Mm -hmm. And he came here thinking he could fake the funk around Mm -hmm. somebody who, I'm not saying I'm a real one, but like, I know I've been around Mm -hmm. terrible people. And I'm like, you wouldn't be in college right now if you were saying who you are and yeah. what you're doing like what the yeah. fuck are you doing here you know but the guy is like this dweeb like i'm talking about when he laughs he snorts that dweeby like <laughs> like that like he la- used to laugh like maybe that maybe
1: that's why i mean that is exactly why he knew that his you know his past like with that identity he wasn't getting anywhere so he But the it.
0: hard part about that too and this is what everybody fucks up on is like it is so much harder pretending to be somebody you know what's actually more difficult? It's more difficult finding yourself than to pretend to be somebody else. So meaning that, yeah. but the but the, the outcome is better when you try to be, when you when you take that time to finding who you are. Yeah. Because you will always find the right circles eventually. Yeah. Right? It if just you, takes time. Yeah, it takes time. If you are true to yourself, Andy Chen, if you ever listen to this shit, if you would have just been your fucking self, you and I would have been great friends.
1: All the Andy Chance me?
0: Yeah, you and I would have been great friends because the thing that I always cared about was authenticity. Mm. You could be a geek, a dweeb, a nerd, a jock, thug, whatever. If you notice with all my friends that I'm really close to, they are always authentically themselves and they don't lie. Mm. That's why all my friends are so weird. Mm. I, I don't have a specific click. Like mm. you never look at my friends and say like, oh, that's clearly somebody that physically looks like David, somebody would that they would be friends with. It's a personality trait. They all speak different. They talk different. They come from different backgrounds. But the one thing that always stays true about them, every single one of my friends that I'm really close to Mm. is that they're honest and they're always themselves Mm. because you could trust people like that. Mm. When people who are so busy trying to create a fake identity 24-7, I don't trust you because you don't even know who you are. So how am I supposed to know who you are? And so with that kid, it was was hard for me to be around him, you know? And even if we had to, we, we would try to have these one-on-one talks and keep it down to earth. He just couldn't do it. And it just took, so, I mean, I just kind of reverted to my old self and I just punked that kid. Cause I was like. Bro, you're gonna stop this shit eventually.
1: I mean, you know, everybody has their own growth, right? Their own, their own speed of growth, and you know, your authenticity, that mindset, came earlier than this guy. This guy had to go and do his trials and errors to figure that out. I hope he's still
0: not doing that stuff. I
1: hope not too, because that's a lot of work. Like me too. Not that I wasn't authentic, but I definitely had this like bubbly, like outgoing girl who wanted to make sure that everybody liked me, right? Like I. In, i mean middle school high school middle school I had, ugh, whatever high school uh i was i was i mean i want to i was in a group like i wasn't like the most popular i wasn't the loser i was just like a girl right and then when i went to college i wanted to be a little bit different so like i enhanced my you know my makeup my outfit and then like i've experienced going to different types of circles you know going into like not sorority, but it was a like business fraternity club. Or it's a like, lot of
0: people did that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just try different things. Like I knew that I need to figure out who my, what my identity is. But see, that's is. a
0: that's a good thing. But you're still yourself, though. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm you're, not
1: like turning to this. Like I'm not an ABG girl. I, can well, I say well, that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's
0: that's that's what I'm saying. It's like trying new things and experience. That's fine. That's actually a great quality. That you know, for him, that would have been a great quality. The yeah. problem with him, and he the reason polar why, opposite yeah, him. the problem with him and the reason why he couldn't make good connections, why people got irritated with him, mm. because he would do ridiculous shit like that, walk up, what up? you know, like, oh, shit. because it's so inauthentic. People could smell it.
1: Maybe on him. he was just in his bubble that he thought he could do it.
0: Maybe you know, like that probably was the case. You know, yeah. but I just knew a lot of these weird people. You mm-hmm. know, and I'm always telling people to. Just take that time to to be okay with who you are because eventually you'll find people who appreciate that stuff about you. Sometimes, too, the reason why this kid was weird was not because he's an odd human being. Yeah. All my friends are odd as fuck. Look at Joe. Joe's the mushroom king now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Joe's, he's so odd. You know, being odd is not a bad trait. Being inauthentic and lying to people. It's, mm-hmm. not the part, it's not the part that makes you weird in a positive way. That's the part that makes you distrustful. Yeah. People, it's, it's a natural instinct to not want to be around somebody who is dishonest. And that's what it is. That's yeah. what makes you weird in a bad way. Yep. So with him, trust me, and I, if you 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 would have found some other weird fuck that liked your little snorting laugh that a lot that you know you were a little gamer a geeky <laughs> dude you would have found that group and they would have loved you for it and you would if you would have de- t- taken that time to develop that person that who you truly are mm-hmm. you would have never had to gone through the shit that you went through in college right not being able to develop long term relationships and friendships you felt weird because you ostracized yourself other people didn't you know I at the time being a young person. Probably could have said this to him, but I wasn't mature enough to yeah. articulate my words. Only all all I could do was say, "I fucking hate this guy. Get away from me." Yeah, you know. So obviously, I've matured since you know when sure. I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. But you know, my my stance on people like that are the same. But now I'm able to uh, explain myself yeah. a lot more thoroughly.
1: Like what I like to say is that I always tell. I've been doing a lot of mentoring because there's been mm-hmm. a lot of like um, interest of you know people students who are about to graduate or in my who are majoring in something that's relative to what I'm doing right now, they ask me a lot of questions. And one thing that I do tell them is that I tell them, wherever you go, try to be as genuine as possible. Be yourself, um, but be smart. You know, like you...
0: Yeah, like be yourself, also... uh in order to be successful anyways, also includes you being socially smart. It doesn't mean like be yourself 24 seven, as in like, yo, I'm gonna be raw as fuck 24 seven, bitch. You don't always
1: like have to speak up. You don't always have to voice up about your opinions. I feel like that is like the thing right now, which is good i think time
0: and place is also important
1: it is it definitely is if you just have everyone voice up it just becomes a noise
0: yeah because that's because people are only taking snippets of advice they they hear advice right they go oh well david said i should be myself and so they go into (laughs) a they go into a they go into a a weird uh, social setting and they're like what's up bitch i'm like no hold on a second dude (laughs) like there's also this part of be yourself but you also have to know time and place and you yeah. have to know how to be uh, socially intelligent. Yeah, It's not, you can't just take blanket advice like this. Even the stuff that I give out here that's quote unquote advice, yeah. take it with a grain of salt yeah. and then adjust.
1: Life is not black and white. It's not. There's a variations of gray. Yeah. And that's what you got to know is that it will never be black and white. It'll always be in the shades of gray. And you need to figure out what needs to, what that grade is adds up to be.
0: Yeah, that gray area is very important, right? It A is. lot of things in this world aren't black and white, Mm-mm. you know, and sometimes when people, uh, they struggle with that thought, yeah. right? So that gray area is hard for them to kind of exist in mm-hmm. because there's nobody telling them, what these definites are. Yeah. And that, that uncertainty scares a lot of people. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like if you just invest your time to know who you are and you're happy with that, the gray area becomes a lot easier to deal with because mm-hmm. your compass is yourself. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I know how I'm gonna navigate this situation. Yeah. When I go into like meetings, for example, mm-hmm. right, I'm still myself, but there's gonna be a little different David depending on who I'm talking oh, to. Yeah. Doesn't make me fake. It makes me socially smart and know how to navigate these social situations.
1: Here's a question That How did you find out who you are? I think that's a lot of, that's a question that a lot of people would ask.
0: A lot of crying, a lot of fighting, and a lot of uh, sadness. <laughs> like, um, I think that the, the biggest difference um, that I'm finding out now, and you know, a lot of people ask me that stuff, like even like my adult friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me when I was in high school, in junior high, because mm-hmm. I always stuck out like a sore thumb. I never was, I could, I was never this, Textbook definition of what a fat geeky Asian kid would <laughs> with glasses, you know what I mean? What do you mean? Like, how were you? I was loud, obnoxious. Like I used to make jokes all the time. I was getting fist fights all the time. Uh-huh. And then um, I, you know, I spoke the way that I spoke. I was always opinionated, uh-huh. you know, and they would expect somebody who looked like me, thick bottled glasses, you know, <laughs> little, uh, little split hair, everything, you know, dweeby boy to be quiet, to get uh, bullied and not say anything. But uh. I just never fit into the exact mold that people wanted. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand when I say that it's going to take time. It also requires you to be strong. And it's a hard thing for you to do. It's hard for you to be ostracized in junior high. It's hard for you to stick out like a sore thumb in high school, Mm -hmm. you know. But eventually, when you're a strong human being and you are true to yourself. People can't help but bend their will to you mm-hmm. because you're concrete. They don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah. They want them they want you to be so much like them that it irritates their spirit. <laughs> it bothers them. It fucking bothers them. Why does this guy why is this guy not like us? Yeah. And it bo- even if you're not doing anything bad. Yeah. It just bothers them so much and right for me it's like well i can't change who i am for you yeah and i'm not saying i wasn't like that when i was in high school but i was definitely ahead of the curve i always stuck out a little bit Hmm. you know and um
1: did you want to be that person did you have like a goal i want to be this kind of person and like or i was just living
0: i was just trying to live my damn life i wanted people to leave me the fuck alone like Uh let me just be me you okay. know, but you know, when you're in high school, it's hard because you want to be socially accepted by other people. you want to dress a certain way. you want to talk a certain way because other people like it. And I did that same thing. The difference was is that it didn't bother other people when they were changed themselves to fit into another group. it bothered me. Mm-hmm. It bothered me every fucking day. There was a moment, my senior year of high school where I said, I don't care anymore. Fuck it I remember this moment uh-huh. It was when I decided to join It was my No I'm sorry It was the last semester of my junior year uh-huh. I joined choir uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I said, "Fuck this shit," you know, because I knew that I had certain friends—not my high school friends, but friends I hung out with outside of high school. That at the time, the popular word was "fag." They would have called—they would have called yeah. me a fag for singing R and B music. You know, oh, they would have really? made fun of me. You know what I mean? And so, I—you know—they called you a sense of little pussy or whatever, whatnot. And I'm not sure that's how they actually felt, but they would verbalize these things. Sure. You know, and you know how guys were back yeah. in the then, Back in the day, this stuff wasn't cool. But I remember, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm leaving <laughs> high school. I want to go to college. I'm going to leave this shit anyways. I'm going to join choir. Uh-huh. I'm going to just go out there and do whatever I want. And that's why I asked that one girl out who I had a crush on for four years. I said, uh-huh. fuck it. What's going to happen? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and so I did what I, and it felt good. Uh-huh. It felt very bad. Ve- and this was just a, a small glimpse of, And this evolved into something stronger later. Uh, It it wasn't that great at the time. Those were just small things that I did, Uh you know, because then I had to go through the whole part of getting dumped, And then I lost myself again, didn't know who I was. You had a
1: life lesson.
0: I always had these life lessons, you know, and I've always wanted to just, I wanted people just to leave me the fuck alone. Let me just be me, right? (laughs) And why does it, I just never understood why it bothered people so much. Yeah, why did it
1: bother them? Were they your friends? Not so much. Or Sometimes it was
0: fr- it was they were friends, quote unquote friends. But the friends that I that did weren't bothered by it and appreciated me are the ones that you see now in Sacramento. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that appreciated me a lot. But there were other people that were bothered by that shit.
1: You know, I think it's the fact that you were good at it and like how is this guy good at it and i think that agita- that, that might have agitated them
0: probably man cuz like, if
1: you weren't good at it then it was, shouldn't bother them it would be like a fun thing to make it would be a something to make fun of you but then you're good at it so they're just like this doesn't make sense
0: yeah and i think stereotypically too uh um, i don't
1: see this on tv yeah
0: you know i i just i always wanted to do things different you know now now i i don't like sticking out so much so I, you know i keep my i keep to myself a lot mm-hmm. more than I, than I used to. Even when you met me, I was a lot more outgoing. Now I'm just kind of like, eh, <laughs> you know? But, you know, I, I still have those social skills that I developed over time. Yeah. You know? You're it,
1: really good at it. Yeah.
0: Like, I I, I could talk... To, I, I She knows I could talk to a damn doorknob for three hours <laughs> if I wanted to. Like, I'm, I'm...
1: And he would have different ways to talk to these doorknobs. <laughs> there, there are different colors. He would have different ways of saying it. It's yeah. just... I find it fascinating. I'm just like, damn. I, I mean... I wish you could actually have like an improv class and of how to be professionally social um to these college students like i think that would be such a great lesson because i watch and i'm like i wish i knew how to do that because i mean i i learned my own ways and like with my own personality but i'm nowhere near that like i hate socializing and saying stuff that i'm not familiar with or i'm not used to like when I first interned at Fullscreen, which is probably the widest uh, company that I ever worked for, yeah, I didn't understand these like idioms people were using. For example, my supervisor was saying, you're crushing it. And now it's the first time I ever heard someone say, you're crushing it. And I'm like, is this a white thing?
0: Like, is this bad or is this good? Yeah, what are you I'm saying like, right now? Yeah. You seem
1: happy, so I guess I'm doing something right. But what am I crushing? I'm not crushing anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then it turns out, oh, it's like, you know, during football, they're crushing it. Like, they're doing super well. And I just, like, I was so confused. I was like, it's not the English that I learned. But, you know, it is what it is. And, like, I had to learn these phrases. And I, because later on, they become very useful. I could use it to you know, white people. <laughs> they yeah. would understand. There's a lot of idioms that I'm just like, damn. Or well, like sense of humor, you know?
0: That was the hardest thing for me. I, I didn't understand. And I call it white people's sense of humor, but it could just be like suburb humor. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I'm not... Uh, a
1: type of american There's
0: a very specific type of humor that I think... Uh, like white Americans have, right? That, I, you know, we're, we're. I was born in Korea. You grew up around a very Korean-centric, Asian-centric, yeah. you know, and we just joked differently, you know? Yeah. And I just didn't get a lot of the jokes. Well, I understood the jokes, but I didn't understand why they were funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. I get
0: the joke. Why the fuck are you laughing? Yeah. I, in my yeah. mind. But uh, I just kind of learned to adapt and adjust and I kind of developed the skill where it's like, um, things can be funny, you know? Yeah. It's just in a different way. Yeah. And so I've, I, I kind of just learned to navigate and, and mirror certain yeah. behaviors very well um
1: and i think that's a huge skill that's a very good skill to build is that you need to figure out how to navigate those situations because you're never going to be in a situation especially in work area that you're are going to always understand something or always going to agree at something so you need to figure out how to navigate towards that. she transition. would have these
0: disney parties and she, she would always have to give me like a month's heads up because <laughs> i knew that i had to talk to everybody so it was like, all right, here we go, David. Put on your social face, you know, Pop, you know.
1: Actually, those events, because I know these... I, something about artists, complete different conversation. I don't know. I think I'm more myself when, with artists. Like, it's never... Yeah, these weren't
0: execs, but it's just like people that I knew I didn't know. Yeah, you know? I mean, for
1: you, you didn't know them. But because I knew them, like, I didn't have to uh act or anything or yeah. put up a I don't, what do you call it put up a front. yeah um but yeah for you because you didn't know anything about them i mean you've heard stories maybe but then you don't know who they yeah. are so i could only imagine how tiring that is yeah.
0: yeah but you know just to go back to your question like you know finding yourself or finding your voice is, is something that's always going to take practice it's something that you guys have to work on daily Mm-hmm. all the time until it becomes a permanent part of you and people can't shake that shit out of you that is going to be so important and i'm, I'm talking about good qualities too like if you're a fucking asshole change that shit yeah. but you know but finding yourself is like you know what your interests are what you care about what you yeah. don't care about and being like okay with it being okay like uh, to this day like all my friends play games and they're like yo why don't you play games i'm not gonna play game because you asked me to i know who the fuck i am i know i find it boring as fuck (laughs) you know and so i'm okay with that i don't feel like this will to change my hobbies because other people are doing it i don't agree i don't have that you know it's a waste of my time
1: that is why you and i don't have the same hobbies (laughs) except cycling because you finally Gave it a try after six years of I know I gave it a
0: try. I was riding in K-Town, remember? Oh,
1: yeah. But, but I, what, what happened? I, I got what
0: hit by a car. And then I What? Just,
1: you never told me that. Yeah,
0: I was driving that that, that black Scatante bike that I had the You got bike. hit
1: by a car? So this
0: car clipped me and I flew off and I got freaked out. You like,
1: never told me that. I did tell you that. You flew off? I
0: flew off. And I luckily I flew off next to this vase into the grass. But this will fucking clip my ass. You did not. And then- but it was my fault too. I used to like riding really fast down this one road in K Town. Oh my gosh, that I was living David.
1: This is what I'm telling you. And not then to I got cycle fast. And then after
0: that I got freaked out, you know. Um
1: You sound like it, a little boy.
0: It wasn't the it wasn't the cycling fast part, it was because I was in K Town, you know.
1: Especially because you're in K Town. Yeah. I...
0: Yeah. Look I I lived. But then after that I was like, oh uh, like I just kinda got freaked out like riding on the road. <laughs> uh-huh. And so when I started going back into cycling, it was actually kind of hard because I was like scared then I just stopped being scared for some reason, (laughs) you know? But that's how I tackle things. I usually tackle it head on. I have to do it like all the way. You got to
1: hurt yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, (laughs) with kickboxing too, I did it 100%. And now that I did it for about two years, I'm kind of like, I'm not really training.
1: See, I want you to like like cycling for the rest of your life because that is one sport where you don't have to. Well, beat. I do like
0: cycling, and the reason why I'm going to do it for this, I got that e bike, so now I can and exercise or not exercise. And hopefully, you don't
1: lose it yeah. or someone steals it yeah, with your lock. Stolen, but anyway,
0: anyways, guys, this <laughs> wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this episode because we got a little deep into it, but. Uh, Thank you to my lovely fiance for coming on to the podcast. I love her very much. She's Thank you. So, She's so cute. Look You're at her. You're
1: welcome.
0: But um, every Thursdays <laughs> and Sundays, we'll see you guys. It's very rare that she'll come on, but every now and then she'll help me out. Yes. Yeah, it sounded like you farted for a second. I was like, I, know. I was like, if you farted, you better have gave me a, a, a see, warning I'm right See, I'm blowing now. it to
1: me right now. Yeah,
0: did you fart though? No, I Okay, didn't. you better not have because this oh. is a very small room. Thank you very much. But <laughs> well, we'll see you guys every Thursdays and Sundays. Um, Pat... We'll be back, Pat and we'll be back on the podcast soon. It's just uh, something happened. We'll let you know uh, on the podcast later, but I will see you guys next time. Love you very much. Uh, Send in a bunch of life advice stuff that you guys want to know. Well, I'll help you answer it. uh, Every Thursdays and Sundays. Love you, bitches. Peace.
1: Bye.